This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 4th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Newsweek International Editor Fareed Zakaria believes that letting Bush-era tax cuts expire would help Congress and the President battle the gargantuan federal budget deficit. But, as Cato Institute Senior Fellow Dan Mitchell argues, the source of the deficit isn't too many tax cuts, it's too little restraint on spending. Spending, he argues, has increased by amounts that dwarf the size of those tax cuts. Freed Zakaria argues that, and others argue, that letting the Bush tax cuts expire would be an effective way to reclaim, on behalf of the government, I put reclaim in quotes, uh, two to three hundred billion dollars in revenues. And this is a good idea because it would help uh, the United States deal with its large federal deficit. The problem with his column is that he assumes that we're in trouble fiscally because A, deficits are large, and B, it's because of inadequate revenue. Our real problem isn't that deficits are large, it's that the government is far, far too big. That's what we should focus on. So he's looking at a symptom rather than the underlying disease. And then if we have to look at the issue of federal spending and federal revenue, even under the Obama budget projections, federal revenues, while low now because of the economic downturn, are going to climb to above their historical post-World War II average. We do not have, in other words, a shortage of revenue in the United States or in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have too much government spending. Like I said, letting these tax cuts expire would would reclaim on behalf of the government 200 to $300 billion. What has been the change in federal spending since the Bush tax cuts were put into place. Well, if you go back to Bill Clinton's last fiscal year, we had a federal government that spent about $1.8 trillion. And back then, of course, we actually had a budget surplus. Well, now we have a federal government that spends about twice that amount, more than $3.5 trillion. And of course, over the next several years, it's projected to to climb uh, even higher. Uh, Now, federal revenues have gone up since then. Uh, But they've taken a little bit of a dive uh, since the recession began, because what happens during a recession? People don't have as much income. Companies don't have as much profits. In other words, taxable income falls. And as a result, you have uh, less revenue coming in. But once the recession ends, and even if we have what everyone expects to be a relatively tepid recovery, uh, we're still going to eventually get tax revenues back uh, above that 18% of GDP long-run average. The problem is is that government spending, which was as low as 18.1% of GDP, I believe, under Clinton, is now about 25-26% of GDP. Now, people sort of fudge the numbers and say, well, maybe we shouldn't count bailout costs or bailout repayments and things like that. But the long-run structural size of government is much, much bigger today than it was when Bill Clinton left office. Bush increased spending, Obama picked up the baton and he's racing in the same direction. That's what we have to fix if we want to get back uh, to to having a much more reasonable uh, and pro-growth fiscal uh, policy in America. People who support letting uh, these tax cuts uh, expire point to uh, a statement by Alan Greenspan that says, look, I I support uh, tax cuts, uh, but not uh, at the expense of growing deficits, growing debt. Uh, He said the same thing about various spending programs as well, but people who support letting these tax cuts expire point to that statement 
by Greenspan. Well, Alan Greenspan is a political animal who's made his career in Washington for the last several decades. I'm not exactly surprised he's siding with the Washington establishment. Again, I just come back to what do the numbers show us? The numbers show us that 100% plus of the deficit in the long run is because spending has risen above its long-term average, uh, not because revenue has fallen below their long-term averages. Now, there are problems that you have with the Bush tax cuts as well. Well, the Bush tax cuts are far from perfect. A lot of the Bush tax cuts were were things that had no positive effect on the economy or very little, such as uh, increasing the child credit. Well, I have kids. I'm always happy if the government lets me keep more of my money, even if it's for a reason that doesn't give me more incentives to work, save, and invest. Uh, But obviously, that doesn't help the economy. Creating a 10% tax bracket, well, that helps me, that helps all of us uh, who pay taxes, but it's the tax rate on the margin, the marginal tax rate that matters in terms of our incentives to work, save, and invest. So a lot of the revenue loss from the Bush tax cuts is because of the non-supply side provisions. The things that really matter in the Bush tax cuts are the reductions in top tax rates the reduced double taxation of dividends and capital gains, and the elimination of the death tax. And if all those taxes come back to their old levels, that's going to be a very significant negative thing for the economy because incentives for entrepreneurs and investors and wealth creators are going to take a hit. And that's going to reduce our competitiveness compared to other countries. Now, some people like to point to, rather than, as you point to, marginal tax rates, they point to overall effective tax rates, which in this particular case, talking about the Bush tax cuts, makes uh, median family taxes, well, I guess everybody's taxes, uh, look a lot smaller uh, than they might otherwise. The marginal rates are obviously uh, go up the, the more income you earn. What about that, the, the disparity when people point to effective rates versus marginal rates? Effective tax rates have come down, and I'm all in favor of that. But effective tax rates aren't what determine economic incentives. If I go to McDonald's and get uh, three uh, Big Macs, and they cost me an average of $2, and let's say for some bizarre reason McDonald's has a pricing practice where the fourth Big Mac would cost $10, well, what's my incentive to buy a fourth Big Mac? I'm not going to look at my average price for the first three Big Macs. I'm going to look at the fact that they want to charge me $10 for a fourth Big Mac. And that's why you look at marginal tax rates, because it's the marginal tax rates that impact whether or not an investor, an entrepreneur, uh, or anybody out there decides I'm going to work more, save more, invest more, create more wealth for the country. And unfortunately, even though and this gets into into some international comparisons, even though the effective or average tax rate in America is less than uh, many other countries, our marginal tax rates oftentimes are rather high. We have, for instance, the highest corporate tax rate in the industrialized world, especially now that Japan has announced that they're cutting their corporate tax rate. Dan Mitchell is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book Global Tax Revolution. You can get your copy at Cato.org.